It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every day. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. Over 2,100 subscribers so far. And let's get to 300 by time. Toe meets leather at Bank of America Stadium in Uptown Charlotte against the Cleveland Browns in week one. Thank you so much to everyone who has supported the show by watching it on YouTube. And thank you to everyone who supported the show since I first took over back in March of 2021 by listening to all of the shows on our podcasting feeds. So whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Ozzy Stitcher, tune in, it does not matter. Just make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Locked on Panthers and all of your favorite shows across the Locked On uh, Podcast Network so you don't miss a single episode. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. Already getting in a lot of questions so far as we, again, are seven days away from the first practice down there in Spartanburg on the campus of Wofford College for the Carolina Panthers training camp ahead of this 2022 season. And if you want to ask me a question, well, the best way to do it is either at me at Julian Council or send me a DM on Twitter at Julian Council. Seven days, seven more days that we have to sit here and wait for the Carolina Panthers to finally be back out there on the practice field. Now, they won't have pads on. They'll have the acclimation period. Then they'll finally strap it up. And then that's when we'll really see who's going to be the starting quarterback when that competition goes on with the long snapper competition going on between Thomas Fletcher and J.J. Jansen. And we'll break down... All of that probably on Monday's episode as we'll finally be right there a day away from the Carolina Panthers reporting to camp on Tuesday, the 26th, and then on Wednesday, 27th, having their first practice. So let's go ahead and take some time today and talk about the Panthers offseason as a whole. Let's look at the coaching hires. Let's look at what they did in free agency, the draft, and then the trades that the Panthers made this offseason, and I'll give you my grades. I've already kind of given you my offseason checklist, gave an update on that a couple times. I think I did one last week as well, and I was pretty happy about everything that's happened. I am happy about how this offseason has gone. I know that there's other people out there, like our guest on Monday, Stephen Ruiz, who still looks at this organization as heading in the wrong direction. I don't feel that way at all. I am bullish on the Carolina Panthers, especially since they added Baker Mayfield and really think that it is playoffs or bust for this team heading into year three, the rule of three, where in his third year, wherever he's been, Matt Rule at Temple or Baylor, he's had that big breakout season, and I think that can be the case here in Carolina. I told you on Tuesday. I agree with Jonathan Stewart. I laid out five reasons why the Carolina Panthers can absolutely shock the NFL world in 2022. So let's go ahead and look back at this offseason and looking at the coaching hires to start off there. Matt Rule was able to keep his job because there's apparently this five-year plan between him and David Tepper to finally get the Carolina Panthers to win. I'm not waiting five years. 
for Matt Rule to finally get them to the playoffs. It needs to happen now. Is David Tepper going to do that? I don't know. But Matt Rule needed to go out there and get a better coaching staff. He had guys like Pat Meyer who didn't work out. He had guys like Joe Brady, who Matt Rule admittedly said he went outside of his comfort zone to bring that also didn't work out. Frank Ocam, who is the former defensive line coach, those guys did not work out, and they were subsequently let go this past offseason. And we also saw other coaches leave on their own merit, and that's all well and good. Matt Rule needed to get a big boy coaching staff, a coaching staff that had NFL experience, and he went out there and did it by getting Steve Wilkes, who had been a former defensive coordinator here in Carolina and was a one-and-done head coach in Arizona, which is the reason why he's suing the NFL. But we're not going to get into all that mess right now. But Steve Wilkes, the native son, comes in here. He's already talked about how he's ready to turn Jeremy Chin into an all-pro, and I'm so excited to see what he can do with this secondary. Fantastic hire. We've already seen the benefits of having Steve Wilkes on his staff here in Carolina back when Ron Rivera was here. Paul Pascalone, he's been a head coach in college at Syracuse. He's also been around the NFL forever. He's now the defensive line coach here in Carolina. He brings that experience. Chris Tabor takes over as a special teams coordinator after the firing of Chase Blackburn, who did not put out very good special teams units. But Chris Tabor, what does he do? The last two years in Chicago, top 10 special teams units. You have to be happy about him coming out here, and if you saw any of the film out there, I guess is it even film, any of the video out there during the mandatory minicamp and OTAs, he was very active when working with the special teams units, and that is a position group, or not a position group, but the side of the ball, as we have the three phases, offense, defense, and special teams, that should be vastly improved this upcoming season. Uh, ben McAdoo is now here in Carolina, and there was always the thought of the report out there, which – it never really made a ton of sense from Jay Glazer of Fox, who still does a great job, that Matt Rule had to put out a had to hire a rock star OC to replace Joe Brady. Once that was put out there, and that was apparently what his job um, security was contingent upon, it was hard to believe that was ever going to happen. But at the very least, he gets somebody in Ben McAdoo, who is Tom Coughlin approved, which I wouldn't have thought anyone that he hired would have been, albeit McAdoo interviewed for the coach, the quarterback job the last two seasons. And was not hired by Matt Rule, but apparently he's more he's good enough to be the OC here in Carolina. We'll see how it works out. And I'm still skeptical of Ben McAdoo truly being someone who's going to fix the team. Now, I have also said that it, maybe Ben McAdoo might be the best hire if he is able to fix the offense and work with guys like Sam Darnold and fix his footwork and Baker Mayfield and lay the groundwork and foundation for the rookie Matt Corral. So overall, my grade is B+. It's only a B plus just because of the OC hire. We will see how things work out for Ben McAdoo. I appreciate the coaching experience he brings as far as being a head coach in the NFL and the success that he's had in New York. It'll be interesting to see how things work out here in Carolina with him, but everybody else very excited about what they're going to bring to the table here in Carolina. We'll go to free agency. The Panthers had the option to re-sign plenty of players, bringing back a guy like Frankie Louvu on a two-year $9 million deal, $4.5 million guaranteed. Love that deal. Marquise Haynes, two years, $5.5 million. Love that as well. Dante Jackson, three years, $35.1 million. Average per year of $11.7 million. Like all those deals. And even when you look at depth pieces, free safety, Justin Burris is back after being the starter the last two seasons. That helps out as Xavier Woods comes over in free agency, signing a three-year, $15.75 million deal, that if he goes down, if Jeremy Chin goes down, you have someone like Burris who can step up. Sean Chandler's back here on a one-year deal as well. 
P.J. Walker, he's back, but only going to be here for a couple of weeks. Giovanni Ritchie, depending on how the fullback position plays out again, he's back in Carolina. Brandon Zilstra, who is not only the third best wide receiver of the Panthers last year, and even at times the second best, he's a special teams ace and can fill in as your kicker if need be. Now, hopefully, they don't ever get to that point in time again for the Carolina Panthers. So I, I appreciate the players that the resign. Didn't love the three year contract worth sixteen point nine five million with eight million in guarantees and a deal including eleven and a half million over the first two years for Ian Thomas. Just based off of what we've seen, we've been waiting a long time for Ian Thomas to break out. He was a breakout candidate a couple years ago, and he still has not done that. Maybe now in Ben McAdoo's tight end heavy system that he can, we will see. But the additions are really what I'm excited about. Xavier Woods, as I already mentioned, at free safety. Austin Corbett, fresh off a of Super Bowl on a three-year $26.25 million deal with $13.6 million guaranteed. Dante Foreman, who stepped in admirably last year in Tennessee and helped the Titans get to the number one seed once they lost Derrick Henry. He's here to likely be the backup running back, at least a change of pace in someone who can Ram it in there on short – wow, that sounded bad – on short um, down situations and at the goal line and Rashard Higgins, who his signing now is looks even better now that Baker Mayfield is here in Carolina. They already have that report. Damian Wilson, the linebacker who's had some legal issues this offseason, he signed a two-year deal for $6.9 million, $3.27 million guaranteed, was a fantastic player last year in Jacksonville, had – over 100 tackles, a career year for him. Matt Ioannidis, Temple guy, has had stints in the NFL where he's had eight and a half sacks and seven and a half sacks. Back when he was with Washington, he's now back here, better shape and hoping to make a major impact there on his defensive line. And Johnny Hecker could be one of the best free agent signings. You get a four-time All-Pro, three-year deal, $7.6 million, $5 million fully guaranteed. He's excited. And he's got a chip on his shoulder, too, after the Rams – Jettison them off after winning a Super Bowl. Love that. And someone who I said might be one of the key players on the offense this year is Bradley Bozeman, who was a really good player in Baltimore. From talking to our Locked On Ravens host, Kevin Ostriker, who's also an Elon alum like myself, he was telling me how the Ravens operate is they will give you a deal. They'll offer you in the season. If you don't accept it, then they kind of move on. So I guess they didn't offer Bradley Bozeman what he wanted. And the Ravens moved on, and now Bradley Bozeman is here. And by the way, congratulations to him and his wife for that baby on the way. And they've already wrapped around their arms around Charlotte, and I think he can be a really good player here, and he's a steal. One year, $2.8 million, $1 million signing bonus. I'm fired up about that. And they also bring Corey Littleton, Shaq Thompson's childhood friend, on a $2.6 million deal, $2 million guaranteed to be a linebacker who hopefully can bounce back and add more depth to that position. So when I look at it, as I told y'all, when doing my offseason checklist, which really just pertain to a lot of it, free agency, and of course, the draft, the only thing they're missing is an edge rusher. And Carlos Dunlap could still be on the way here in Carolina. Scott Fitter said last week on the Mac attack on WFNZ here locally in Charlotte sports radio station that it's just coming down to money. Well, these things always seem to just come down to money. Man, I feel good about this team. I feel good about what they've done. As far as free agency and my free agency grade is an A. So B plus for the coaching hires, A for the free agency period. Now the draft, don't believe in draft grades, to be honest with you all. You already know how about the field, how I feel about the draft. A lot of wasted uh, energy on a lot of players who aren't going to be here. And then eventually a lot of players who might not even live up to the expectation. But two things I really needed to do once we got to the draft was find a left tackle and find a quarterback. 
And they decided at six overall with the entirety of the offensive board at their disposal to take Iki Aquanu sixth overall at NC State. Providence Day alum and, of course, a Charlotte native. And I damn near cried when that happened. Y'all saw the podcast. You watched it that night. You listened to it the next day. I was fired up. Cannot wait to have Iki there protecting the blind side of whoever plays quarterback for the next 10 years plus in Carolina. Quarterback, they bring in Matt Corral, something that people wanted to see be fulfilled. They went out there and did that. They also added some athletic linebackers and Brandon Smith out of Penn State and Amari Barno, who's going to be probably more of a defensive end edge rusher either way out of Virginia Tech. Got some O-line depth in Cade Mays. I, I like what they did as far as just, hey, they filled holes. And they really, the most important spot that they needed to fix, left tackle, they got a guy, if a team needed to tackle at number one, Iki Kwanu was going to go number one. Coming out of the combine, multiple people, including Peter King, were saying that this is the best player in the draft. The Panthers got possibly the best player in the draft at sixth overall. I love to see that. But again, don't do draft grades. So TBD, we'll see how it works out. Keep our fingers crossed. Hope these guys can make an impact, especially Icky, right away. Now, as far as trades, the major trade that we saw this offseason was, of course, Baker Mayfield, the Panthers giving up a 2024 uh, fifth-round conditional pick, which could go to a fourth-round pick if Baker Mayfield plays 70% of the snaps this upcoming season, which I believe the case will be, which I believe will be the case because he can beat Sam Darnold, and then as long as he stays healthy, which he has, even last year when he wasn't healthy, he still played all of those games. Baker... That was great business for the Carolina Panthers, only paying $4.85 million of his deal, getting him to give back $3.5 million that he can earn back in incentives. And I actually tweeted that out, or I retweeted Field Yates from ESPN.com, who had those um, incentives out there as far as the breakdown. I like that deal. I think it's a good deal. Yes, it does still point at the Panthers kind of throwing things at the wall, and we'll actually talk more about that here in a couple minutes because Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated thinks the Panthers actually haven't overspent at all to try and fix the quarterback position over the past off seasons, uh, past two off seasons. So we'll talk about that here shortly. I thought it was good business to bring in Baker Mayfield. He's an obvious upgrade, and he's someone who's actually had experience playing in the playoffs and taking the freaking Cleveland Browns to that situation as well. One thing I necessarily didn't love, though, was giving up a third and a fourth round pick to move up to get Matt Corral, especially after, hey, the trade talks. Fell through a Baker. Okay, the Panthers could have sat back there at four. We talked about how it was a bad situation for Carolina to only have one pick in the top 100 or whatever it was. And I agree with that. wasn't a great situation. I still feel firm that they could have sat back there and gotten Matt Corral there in the fourth round. Pickett already went to the Steelers. The Titans went up there, and they got Malik Willis. The Falcons took Desmond Ritter. It seemed like he was the fourth guy in the pecking order in the NFL. I think he would have been there at four in the fourth round. They didn't need to trade up, in my opinion. And even that, Sam Howell, who Jonathan Alexander, the former beat reporter for the Charlotte Observer, told us now at the Houston Chronicle, is that the team still thought about the idea of bringing Sam Howell to come in here and compete for the job. They could have gotten Sam Howell there in the fourth round or even later on in the draft. So I didn't love that. And because of that, which I felt like was kind of unnecessary and really felt more as a reactionary move, even though I understand why they did it, and I don't necessarily disagree with them adding a quarterback, just in love with how they went about it. I'm going to give these trades C+. Dr. Baker trade was a really good one, like an A, and then Matt Corral trade up, 
kind of feels like a D. Dude would have been there. You didn't really need to do that. They got desperate, which has kind of been the way they've gone about things here at the quarterback position the last couple of years. So coaching hires, B+, plus, free agency, and A, draft, <laughs> TBD. We'll see how it works out. Trade, C+. Plus. Overall, I'd give this offseason B, B+. Plus. Thought they did a really good job. We'll see how things pan out for Carolina, but I feel really strongly about this team. And you got to earn it on Mary. You can't just give out A's all the time. You know, we got to have a little bit, got to grade it on the curve. And I, I like what they did, especially in free agency, and think that this roster is vastly improved heading into this 2022 season here in Carolina. Now, one position that we're still trying to figure out whether it actually is improved or not, and there is actually a long-term option, is the quarterback position. Albert Beer, who now writes the Monday morning quarterback there in sportsillustrated.com, he had uh, some thoughts the other day on the Panthers and whether they've overspent at the most important position in football. We'll get into that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. BetOnline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today bet online where the game starts if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast join the draft dudes kyle krabs and joe marino as they go position by position through the nfl free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 nfl draft if you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I think it was reasonable the question after the Carolina Panthers traded up for Matt Corral whether that was good business, whether the Carolina Panthers really needed to go out there and do that. Did they maybe overspend to get him? And you could ask the same thing last year when the Panthers basically were bidding against themselves with the New York Jets to trade for Sam Darnold, sending a second, fourth, and a sixth-round pick for the services of the Jets quarterback that – the GM Joe Douglas and the new head coach Robert Sala and the entire organization had no interest in keeping around anymore in favor of Zach Wilson, who has uh, been in the news for a couple of things. Well, Albert Breer, who writes for the Monday Morning Quarterback and Sports Illustrated, covers the NFL, does a really good job. He had some thoughts on the Panthers and whether they've overspent to fix their problem at the most important position in football. Now, he's not going to include what happened with Bridgewater and the attempts of Stafford and all that kind of stuff. He's just going to look at the trades that they actually got done. So last year's trade for Sam Darnold, this uh, season's trade earlier with the draft um, with Matt Corral, and of course the trade that happened two weeks ago for Baker Mayfield. Now he's looking at the draft value chart to actually look at these trades and to figure out whether the Carolina Panthers got good value for all the trades that they made for these three quarterbacks who hopefully one of them will turn out to be the long-term answer here in Carolina. 
Breer says, add together the trades for Sam Darnold, a 2021 sixth rounder, and 2022 second and fourth rounders. Matt Corral, a 2022 fourth rounder and third rounder. And Mayfield, a conditional fifth round pick in 24. And using the draft value chart, you can actually put a number on all of these deals. He said, if we're putting the future picks in the middle of the rounds and Mayfield plays 70% of the team's offensive snaps, making that 24 pick a fourth rounder, the sum of the picks comes to 869 points. If Mayfield plays less than that, it's 844 points. The 19th pick overall on the draft value chart is worth 87, 875 points, excuse me, and a 20th pick overall is worth 850 points. So according to Albert Breer, the Carolina Panthers basically, by trading for Sam Darnold, Matt Corral, and Baker Mayfield, have only given up a 19th or 20th overall pick in the NFL draft. I hope that one of those guys works out. At the end of the day, if Darnold or Corral or Baker proves to be the long-term answer, we're not going to sit back and really care how we got there. Right now, as we're trying to still get there, we do care. And I see what Albert Beer is saying, and it does put that in a positive light, and I appreciate someone able to kind of number crunch and look at these trades and say, hey, you know what, really old Carolina did in giving up what is five Six picks is only give up the 19th pick overall, only the 20th pick overall. That's, they didn't really give up all that much to bring in a guy in Sam Darnold who had already proven wasn't the answer um, in New York and probably wasn't going to be any good and they exercised a fifth-year option. And let's ignore also the Panthers handing Teddy Bridgewater a, a three-year, $63 million deal, which, yeah, kind of is market rate. It's a cheaper quarterback contract, but not insignificant money and the failure to convince Matthew Stafford and Deshaun Watson to come to Carolina, not to mention – passing on Justin Fields and Mac Jones. But if you look at those six picks combined, all they really gave up was one first-round pick. Well, okay. Not, not, crazy, to, not, not crazy to say that. But it, it is interesting, though, the way that Albert Breer broke that down. The main issue, though, is that the Panthers don't seem to really have a coherent plan, but it's clear that what they're trying to do is just keep taking swings. They're going to go with the whole strategy of throwing darts at the wall and seeing which one sticks. And if you look at the top 10 picks that they decided to use on positions that weren't quarterbacks, it's honestly hard not to necessarily blame them. Now, have they gotten much benefit out of them so far? I would probably say no. Like Derek Brown, really big year for him. He's been a, a full-time starter here in Carolina. We just need to see him pick it up a little bit. J.C. Horn got off to a really great start, got injured. So not really J.C. Horn's fault. That feels like that was a really good pick. And Iki Aquanu, as I've already said, I love it. And I think it's going to work out. We also haven't seen him play so far. So are those, t- are those three guys more important than had the Panthers there in 2021 drafted Justin Fields or Mac Jones? Hard to say right now. The bet then was that Sam Darnold plus the eighth pick, which is J.C. Horn, would be a better decision by the organization than taking Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Now, Justin Fields didn't look great in the limited snaps that he did play last year in Chicago. Mac Jones helped get New England to the playoffs, but he's also the reason why they got their doors blown off of him there in Buffalo and why they ended up not winning the division when they had like a clear two-game lead over the Buffalo Bills. But still, there's promise there with Mac Jones. The thing, too, is in 2020, when they took Derrick Brown, the quarterbacks that were on the board were Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts, and Jacob Eason. Eason's now in Seattle after flaming out in Indianapolis as a fourth-round pick. Jalen Hurts 
Took the Eagles to the playoffs last year. Looks like a guy who can be the long-term player there for them. And Jordan Love in his one start looked completely lost on the road at Arrowhead Stadium against the Kansas City Chiefs. I appreciate Al Breer's point and what he's doing to break down really those are worth on the draft value chart. What really matters, though, is that those three guys, one of them, proves to be the long-term answer here in Carolina. You can't ignore all the other moves that they tried to make or made to try and sit there and say, hey, actually, they didn't overspend at all. They got to have a coherent plan. Don't really seem to have one. They're just going to keep throwing things at the wall, hope it sticks. And I hope one of them sticks. I hope Baker Mayfield comes out here and sticks. I hope that Matt Corral comes out here and sticks. I hope that Sam Darnold, I hope that he sticks. Just one of them. One of these guys, I hope, comes out here and takes a hold of the reins of this quarterback position and is here for the next 15 years. That's what I want to happen with the quarterbacks that they brought in the last two offseasons. But I don't think you can sit there as great as the value looks like when you just add it up and compare it to what those picks would be with all the points. As great as that is, you can't ignore all the other moves Carolina Panthers made or tried to make and has led them in the position where we still have no idea if the long-term answer is actually on the roster. And if it isn't, we don't know how they're going to find the long-term answer if one of these three guys does not work out. Now, there's a lot more positive things to get excited about. As we inch very close to the season, the Panthers had a reveal on Tuesday, and the fans, well, a lot of you all finally, finally got what you wanted with brand new helmets. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. A lot of Panther fans have waited a very, very long time to get new helmets while the Carolina Panthers and the NFL really finally delivered on Tuesday by releasing a brand new alternative black helmet that will be debuted week 10 when the Carolina Panthers host the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday night football, and it is sick. It's basically the same silver helmet that we've had, but black. They looked awesome. You have uh, Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, both out there wearing the black helmets and the all-black that they'll wear as kind of the color rush that they'll do on that Thursday night game against the Atlanta Falcons. And at the very least, the Carolina Panthers are going to be one of the best-looking teams in the NFL when they put that uniform on. And I cannot wait to see it under the lights at Bank of America Stadium in a couple of months. And admittedly, you know, to me, like the alternative helmets, um, the logo at midfield, all that kind of stuff, it's immaterial to winning. But if it gets people excited, and that's a good thing. Anything that's going to get people excited about the Carolina Panthers, I am for. Because we've had plenty of dark days the last couple of years, even though they probably weren't as dark as we kind of make them seem to be. But still, anything that can have people thinking positively about this team, looking forward to a certain date in the season, I'm all for it when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. And I'm happy that this happened. And I quite honestly don't understand why the NFL – 
is like so stodgy when it comes to their uniforms. Like you have to have the socks a certain way. You you can only change it every so many years, and then you can only have one helmet. Now they're allowing you know the alternate helmets. Like why did it take so long for something like that to happen? Well, I don't I don't really get it. Every team should be allowed to do as much you know jersey changes as they can. And over the last couple of years, though, the Panthers have at least changed. They've had the white uniform or the like they've had the white pants they put out the black pants and they've done different uniform combinations that we hadn't seen over the first 24 years really of the organization when Jerry Richardson was here as the owner for the Carolina Panthers so that has changed we've seen a logo on the midfield there's been a lot of positive changes that have gotten the fans excited now that hasn't necessarily led to winning but it is things that I think are good to see and at least shows that, hey, maybe they are listening to the fan base out there and trying to really change the culture, which is what the Roaring Riot does. And they do a great job of it and trying to get people really fired up for the upcoming season. And I'm totally for it. And I did see one person out there go out there and say that um, the Panthers, I believe, played the Bengals in week nine. That they need to have the Bengals who drop their alternate white helmets, which looks sick. That in all white and the Panthers in all black for the Battle of the Queen Cities. I would love to see that happen. Unfortunately, it looks like the Panthers aren't going to do it until, of course, they debut at home, which I totally get why they would do this and why they would wait until week 10. It just kind of stinks that we got to wait that long to see the Carolina Panthers rock the black helmets. But now here's my thought. Carolina Panthers are going to have the black helmets. Think about this. On the road, whatever, at home in the playoffs, all black. Win or lose, they're going out looking good. Now, I guess we'd be kind of dressing for our own funeral. But still, I'm – I'm excited about these, and I'm happy to see a lot of people out there who for a long time have really begged the organization and the NFL allowed them to do some new things and uh, get some different helmets, and there's always been the concepts that you would see out there on Instagram and Twitter. Happy for those folks who'd be able to get to finally kind of live their dream, and I still do wonder, Carolina Panthers heading into their 28th season have worn the same jerseys all year long. This is really the only change. You can go back maybe a couple years ago, like I mentioned, how they've changed up uh, their pants and different uniform combinations over the last couple seasons. But this is really the only major change, if we want to call it that, to the uniform. Might they change their uniforms at some point in time? I'm cool with the ones that they have. I'm not sitting here and saying that, yeah, they got to change it. You've seen Pittsburgh's basically have the same uniforms forever, Kansas City the same way. If Carolina wants to be that way, I'm cool with it. If they want to try something different, I'm cool with it. Now, hopefully it's not like Tennessee. Really didn't like – I mean, Tennessee's original ones were fine. The new ones, eh, they've grown on me because you got used to it. But I was there in Nash when they first re- Nash when they first released those. Eh, they're just okay. But the Carolina Panthers like to get the black helmet. Happy for the folks out there that are excited about it. And we are only, again, one week away from the first practice there at training camp down in Spartanburg on the campus of Wofford College. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, guys, make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on our Locked on Panthers YouTube channel. Thank you so much to everyone so far who has supported the show by watching it over there. And thank you to all those who listen on our podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Stitcher, TuneIn. It does not matter. You can check us out on all of those. Just make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of Locked on Panthers. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday, like in uh, two days' time, I answer your weekly Friday at Mailbag questions. You'll still have a chance to get your questions in by either adding me at Julian Council, but really what most people do is just go ahead and DM me. DMs are open at Julian Council with your weekly Friday Mailbag question. Until then, and on Thursday... 
Take care. Be happy. Be whole. And always keep pounding. And I'll talk to you all on Thursday. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.